Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with doctor of pharmacy, dietary supplements advisor, and founder of Reaction Recovery, Jeff Simone. Thanks for coming on the show, Jeff. What's up, John? Great to be here. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. So before we get into talking about Reaction Recovery, uh, your 12 daily rules for recovery, Tell me briefly about how you actually made it into recovery after over 15 years of struggling with addiction. What did things look like before you actually got sober? Yeah. Um, you know, first, thank you for, for asking me on to this uh, podcast. You know, I, I think that you do a great job. Um, I was on with you about a year ago with the sob- sobriety blueprint. Yeah. Um, that was actually the, the first podcast that I ever did. So I, I lost my podcast virginity, you know, there with that one. And uh, I've done you know, several since then. And, and um, I thought you were great with that. And I've been following along with you uh, with, with uh, Sober Nation. And I think that you're really doing a great job. You have incredible guests come on. So it's, uh, it's a privilege to be included in, in that group. Thanks, man. Well, no, I feel like you have a lot to offer. So I definitely want to, you know, extract all that valuable uh, information from you for our listeners. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Um, you know, so kind of like briefly, yeah, I'll just, I'll just say who I am, what I did. And then, uh, you know, I'll give a little bit of a background to my story. So I'm, I'm Jeff Simone. I'm, yeah, I'm a doctor of pharmacy. Um, I'm a certified dietary supplement advisor and I founded reaction recovery about a year and a half ago. We're, we're a, um, one-on-one recovery consultation service. Okay. I, I work with folks in early recovery, mostly recovering from drug and alcohol addictions. Uh, and, and the focus is on, diet, nutrition, supplementation, how that all may or may not interact with current medications that somebody is taking. And the whole goal is to establish a, a, a um, regular routine to help stabilize the internal environment and, and hopefully decrease the risk of relapse. Got it. Um, I, I, um, I believe sobriety is won or lost in the trenches of everyday life. That's a series of actions that when repeated over and over and over again, set that framework for a successful recovery and a successful life. Uh, so, so that's sort of what I'm all about. Um, uh, yeah, I'm in recovery myself, uh, opioid amphetamine addiction, uh, among other things. I got sober in, um, you know, for good in, in 2016. I had been trying for several years before that. Uh, and yeah, you know, like you said, it was, it was, uh, it was a 15 year, maybe a little bit longer, uh, you know, continuous drug addiction and, and it was bad. I mean, it's, you know, my story is no different than anybody else's in terms of, uh, it's that, it's that same progression of fun, fun with problems and then just problems. Um, you know, from, from age 20 to 30. So my entire twenties, I didn't draw a sober opiate breath in that decade, if there was not a 24 hour segment where I didn't have some type of opiate in my system. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and that's just the way that it was, you know, uh, some of these, you know, there's, there's a lot of sayings that we have in recovery, right? So, you know, people are always throwing around slogans and, and, and one of them is, uh, it's, it's not for people who need it. It's for people who want it. Right. Uh, I will tell you, so I needed to be sober for probably God, you know, since I was maybe 21, Okay. Um, but I wanted to be sober. I wanted it for at, at least six, seven, eight years, be, you know, before I finally got sober. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think if, if, if needing and wanting it is all that it took, you know, we'd be holding 12 step meetings in Yankee stadium. You know, there would be 60,000 people beating down the door to get in there. 
uh, every every recovery platform, recovery you know treatment option would be completely filled to the brim, uh, and 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 that's just not the case. So so I do believe now that there's more to it. You know, it's a, sure. I mean, it's a complicated process. You know, there's a lot of stuff that sort of goes into it. And uh, the, the unfortunate truth is that is that m- most people right now are not successfully recovering from this. Yeah. That's, I, you know, by whatever measurement, you, you know, statistical measurement you want to throw out there, it's just, it doesn't look great. No. Um, and I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, it, um, uh, you know, me, for example. Okay. So I said, you know, I, um, uh, by training, I'm a doctor of pharmacy. Okay, so I I, I graduated uh, when I was 26. Okay, so I said that I didn't draw a sober breath throughout my 20s. So that means that that whole time it was it was all sort of interwoven in there as well. Um, you know, people. One of the first questions that people will ask me that like, when they hear about like my history is, is you know did you go to pharmacy school? because of the drugs, you know, because yeah. of your drug addiction. That was definitely I mean, going through my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's just, that is, is an understandable question. And uh, mm-hmm. I used to give all kinds of different answers. I used to, you know, really think about it and, and, and try to give, and you know what, like the answer that I give now, and this is just as, as, as honest as it looks from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really good at math and science and I loved Oxycontin. <laughs> And, and, and when you, com- when you combine was, those two things, mix. <laughs> when a 21 year old who is considering, you know, going on for school and to, you know, take some entrance, I just took that entrance exam, uh, you know, really not, like not committing to it. I just sort of, I mean, like I said, I, I was, I was really good at taking tests and mm-hmm. I was good at math and science, which, mm-hmm. which, you know, which this exam, uh, required. And I was in, in love with Oxycontin at the time. And I took this test and I got in and all of a sudden I just packed my bags and I showed up there and, and, and my life just started, started going in that direction. You know, that's what I was talking about with the like one or lost in the trenches of everyday life. I think that, I think that our lives, and if talk about our recoveries, whether or not we, we thrive or, or we struggle, uh, like it's never the big things, you know, it, it's just a series of these tiny, tiny little decisions that sort of point us in a certain direction. And then over time, uh, you know, we're either more in line with wellness or we're sort of more in line with the sickness. Um, yeah. uh, one of my favorite authors, just, just as a quick side, his name is David Hawkins. He, he did incredible work in the, in the field of consciousness study. Um, um, he passed away a few years ago. I think he was in his nineties, just some awesome, awesome books. One of them was called power versus force. And in there he talks about, what he calls the law of sensitive dependence on initial conditions. And like the whole point there is if you're, you know, so if you're sailing across the Atlantic ocean and you're commandeering a ship and your compass is miscalibrated, let's say by one degree Mm -hmm. and you keep sailing like that, you know, for, for an hour well, you're going to be off course, but just slightly, you know, you might be just a mile off course. If you keep doing that for two weeks straight, with just that one degree miscalibrated compass, you're going to find yourself hundreds of miles off course. Mm. And I think that's the way that it is for us. A lot of times that, that we do these tiny little things and then continue down that path that each one in itself might not be hugely impactful, but when you add them up and add them up and extrapolate that all of a sudden, man, you know, it's a, uh, it's a big deal. That's why, sure. I mean, I'm so big into routine. Yeah. That is that reason. You know, when somebody says, oh, I mean, there are people that can scoff at certain things. You know, addiction is so complicated. What does eating have to do with it? Right. Mm -hmm. Or what does what time you go to sleep have to do with it or or these all these little things? And it's like, you're right. Each day, each day, it is not a significant difference. You know, so each day, like tomorrow, if I if I get three hours of sleep because I stayed up, you know, because I dr- was drinking coffee all night and I stayed up and I was playing video games and right. like, what you know, I sleep from four to seven, Ch- the chances of me relapsing tomorrow are actually pretty low. They are, yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty stabilized right now. That the if you were a betting man, the risk of me relapsing tomorrow is 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 low. Yeah, However, if I continue that, yeah, exactly. Now, if I just continue that and all other things started falling apart that's when it kind of sets mm. up this, this whole domino effect. And, and, uh, 
and it becomes a problem. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, you know, for me, so I, um, yeah, so I went to pharmacy school. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I was doing a little bit, but it wasn't nearly as bad as when I graduated. I, I, um, I went to school in New Jersey. I flew out to Southern California. Um, my wife and I, um, she was my, my uh, fiance at the time. Okay. I've actually been married for 10 years. If there's one part of my story that is uh, maybe like a little different than, than some other people is that I did uh, it probably the only thing surprising, everything else is just a typical drug addict story really. But I, like, I kept a marriage together throughout wow. that, uh, that, you know, that span, which like I say, probably says more about her than it does about me. But um, uh, I, I mean, I am, I am very, I'm incredibly thankful for her. You know, yeah. you know she had every right at a lot of times during that. I, I mean, she would have been well in, in her right to have gone a different direction. And I, and I, I or nobody else could have held that against her, you know, but um, uh, you know, we were, we're still doing it. And um, that's awesome. Well, so where, where yeah. did things have to, get for you i know you were saying like you know when you were in school or or in your later 20s it wasn't uh the drug use wasn't as bad so to speak as it was uh earlier on but where did this have to go for you to finally be like okay because you said yourself like needing it and wanting it isn't enough and i'm with you i think for me for a long time like i wanted it i did what some people would describe as you know, I did my research, like I, mm, I started looking right. into like, so how could I actually get sober? Where would I go? What would I do? Treatment center, stuff like that. What did it take for you to actually get into action and, and start really doing something about this? And what did that look like? Yeah. So what it looked like was being court order to a 90 day treatment center. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, um, that's what started the whole thing. I, um, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I had every, I always wanted to be, so I wanted to be sober for mm -hmm. years, but I never mm -hmm. wanted to stop doing drugs. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Sure. You know, I sort of wanted both. Um, so I ended up going out there. I was, I was working as a retail pharmacist. Okay. Which means that, you know, it's like your corner pharmacy. When you go in there, that guy who's back there, that was yeah. me. Right. So you can imagine that, 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 that is probably not the best place for a, uh, you know, raging opiate addict at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and those opiate addictions can just go through the roof. You know, if, 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 if you have unlimited access like that uh, and, and, and nothing kind of intervenes, I mean, I was taking well over a thousand milligrams of oxycodone every day. Wow. Yeah. Well over a thousand, uh, you know, so, I mean, if you've taken a five milligram Percocet for your teeth surgery, that was the opiate equivalent of over 200 of them. And, and, and the reason that I use that number sometimes, actually, I, I didn't used to do that. Um, it's not to compare my addiction quantitatively with somebody else to suggest that I'm better or, or worse, or I, my story was better or worse. Right. The reason is that I've, since that time, I've heard from so many people, especially people with opiate addictions, who believe that they've done so much permanent damage mm. over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, and once they get sober and they're sober for a few weeks or a couple of months and they just still feel so horrible and depressed and lethargic and, and, and they're, they, you know, doesn't feel like their mental acuity is there. They think that they've just, that that's it, yeah. that they need something. Um, and, and the reason that I say that is because I felt like that also, mm -hmm. and I don't feel like that now, you know? So I, so I do believe that there are things we could do. That's that, yeah, sort of, part of where I'm coming from with, you know, with supplementation, I think a lot of that stuff, especially in the beginning can, you know, can, 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 uh, be absolutely invaluable. Um, that's why I, I sort of throw that number out there. Yeah. Um, you know, eventually I, I, I kind of admitted to my employer, you know, a little bit of what I was doing. Uh, you know, they were obligated to bring that in front of, um, like the administrative courts, the court said, you know, basically things were going to be going very bad for me. Okay. Uh, you know, you know, unless I completed this 90 day treatment stint. Yeah. I did that. I wasn't happy about it. It was horrible. Um, uh, you know, but after, after a few months and they kind of got you into the, um, the 12 step program. Okay. So I, so I got, you know, right from that, uh, um, right from that treatment center, I, I got plugged in with some 12 step groups in Southern California. Okay. And, uh, you know, 12, 12 step recovery is it's huge around there. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, it is vibrant, you know, there's energy and, and, and passion around, 
around those groups and you can really find a group for anything. And, and uh, it, it's, so I got into it and I, and I read all the books and I read the literature and I was really into it. And I was, you know, I was doing that stuff for a while. Um, uh, and you know, this is no reflection upon them. You know, this is just what happened to me. I, I um, uh, so I ended up getting back into a pharmacy pretty quickly out there um, at about five months. Yeah. So I had, I had five months sober, you know, the three months in the treatment center and then two months out. And I went back into the pharmacy, you know, thinking I was doing well, right. thinking I was, my mind was right. And the, the first day back, I, I, I was doing the exact same stuff. Wow. And, you know, so fast forwarding shortly after that, yeah, you know, I, I was faking drug tests for a little while, um, but eventually that'll catch up to you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I lost my license to practice out, out in California. This was, this was um, uh, seven and a half years ago. And, and then for the next year, I was just basically a, a street junkie, you know, it was, it was just heroin and methamphetamine for a year. And, and, and it was, you know, got as dark and as horrible as I ever would have expected that my life could have gotten at that point. And, uh, and man, I was completely baffled, mm-hmm. completely baffled. I, I, I had no, somebody like me, right. Somebody who, 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 whose life experience up until that point, those first 20 something years yeah. looked like mine should not be smoking heroin off of tinfoil in his car under the garage, trying to live, you know, something, something unbelievably horrible happened that I couldn't wrap my head around. Hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, so that was my bottom. And then, you know, shortly after that, so, I, um, you know, shortly after that, we ended up moving back. Uh, I was kind of on and off trying to get sober a little bit. Like my wife got pregnant during that time. And then my son was born um, and I didn't get sober until my son was about nine months old. And I tell people, like I'll tell like a lot of, especially, you know, I know that you're a young father, you know, you have your, your little girls, a couple weeks old. Congratulations. That's incredible. Thanks. Um, and, And something happens when you're actively addicted Something happens once you bring a baby into the mix and, and um, things can get really dark really fast. And it really is like a turning point, you know, for, for um, uh, you can either pursue recovery at that point or what, you know, what happens in probably more cases than not is that your life can get exponentially more horrible than you thought it was ever possible of getting. I can imagine, uh, and, yeah. and and one of those reasons is that anybody who's left in your life, any any human beings who are still sort of on your side, and they're looking, you know, look, you know, this this is a disease. You're not a bad person. You're just a sick person. Let's get you some help. All that stuff. All of a sudden, you just feel even those people pulling away, and mm-hmm. because there's an infant here, there's an infant that needs to be protected from me, and that's the I mean that's the reality of the situation. It is one thing for you know, to be trying to help this guy who is really bottoming out. It's another thing. You can't knowingly leave a methamphetamine addict in a house with with an infant. Yeah. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden it just, it just, you know, like that baby is gone and people are coming and, you know, my, my parents, maybe different people are taking them, watching them over here. And it's like, I, I was really uninvolved. Um, I mean, I'm thankful that there were people who, intervene like that because i know sure. that that's not always the case you know, yeah there are look i mean there are heroin addicts active heroin addicts who raise infants and and uh, and the results are not always great um, but you know shortly after that i i, I was i was brought to um, you know so i'm in the philadelphia area now and there's a guy at 20 something years sober um, he was a friend of one of my cousins who actually contacted him and he brought me to a meeting out here and yeah, something, something was just different this time. You know, I, I got plugged in with a group of guys. I started taking their direction and I started doing some things and, um, uh, everything slowed down this time. You know, that's, that's okay. one of the big differences was that everything just completely slowed down and it took me a long time to, to start feeling better. But, uh, one day at a time, it's, you know, it's, it's been quite a ride. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so tell me what, uh, I think you, you already did tell me what the, the primary purpose of reaction recovery really is. I mean, what are you trying to accomplish? Is it, is it just essentially, I know you talked about, you know, if someone's on, um, you know, 
medication, obviously you try to uh, implement some type of supplementation regime, right. To kind of help with that uh, or help in early sobriety, especially, right. What, what, what is really the, the end game with what you do with reaction re- recovery? Like, what are you trying to accomplish with, with someone that you're working with? Yeah. So, so the, the what I'm trying to accomplish ultimately the, the end target is stress regulation. Okay. That's what it is. Um, we sense. know, I mean, look, you know, you know, people can, can argue and debate about what caused addictions, yeah, what, yeah. what uh, perpetuates addictions, what cures addictions, right? Everybody's going to have kind of like their own perspective. One thing that we can agree on, I mean, this has been confirmed. This is, this is, this is not, um, uh, you know, debatable, I guess, mm-hmm. is that the number one risk factor most highly correlated to relapse is going to be stress, psychological and physiological stress, um, whatever that looks like, you know, so that stress might look different to different people. It might sure. be getting promoted, you know, might cause that, you know, that stress, maybe getting fired causes that stress, maybe having a baby causes that stress, maybe losing your kids causes that stress, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So, you know, so nothing I don't, uh, kind of the, refer to anything as like good or bad life events. Uh, but it's just, it is that people recovering from drug addictions have difficulty regulating stress. We know that that's one of the, the, the three primary neural circuits that get disrupted. Um, all of us. Uh, so, so, so the three primary neural circuits, um, that in every single addiction are going to be distorted. And then the only question is, uh, um, it's just a matter of, of degree. It's going to be the incentive reward, um, uh, the, um, the incentive reward, the attack, um, sorry, the incentive motivation, the attachment reward, and then stress control, those three. Uh, and, and the name of the game is going to be somehow getting all three of those in check. And that is what anybody that you're looking at and talking to who is thriving in recovery, mm-hmm. They might not know that this is what they're doing, but but, yeah. but somehow in their life they have set up a, a a network of people, or they've set up like a little treatment strategy that addresses all three of those things. And uh, okay. now all three of those things are actually mediated by by three primary neurotransmitters. So incentive motivation is mediated through dopamine. Um, the attachment reward is going to be mediated mostly through the endorphins. Okay. Uh, secondarily, serotonin, and then and then stress control is going to be your stress hormones. Okay. okay. And so, so then, so with the supplements, you are trying to regulate some of those specifically, I'm, I'm assuming. Yes, I am. Okay. It's working as like a jump start for a lot of people. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, because, because if that, so let's take, let's just take the opiates. That's, that's what I was talking about before. And that was my example. Yeah. Um, if you just, stop okay so you you go through a detox mm-hmm. you know they 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 safely get you off them a couple of weeks later what's going on with with your endorphin system and the dopamine pathways as well is depending upon what you were taking how much and for how long you're going to have almost no activity going on there's going to be like no firing um, especially if you've been if you were engaged in this for a very very long period of time sure yeah and and that period of 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 uh apathy really is so uncomfortable mm-hmm. and most people just can't see it through. Yeah. Say that last again, like the intensity is going to vary depending upon what you were doing. Right. Uh, say that lasts for six months or for nine months or for a year mm-hmm. until you really start to, I mean, dude, I didn't smile for months. Really. Yeah. I didn't smile or laugh for months. Um, m- most people aren't able to make it through that period. It's just, it's just too much. You know, I mean, you can go to meetings and hear people, you can start doing some things and jump into the work and, 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 and look, I'm not taking anything away from that stuff. You know, um, you, you kind of mentioned my, my, my 12 daily rules. My, my, my first rule is connect with a fellowship. That has to be the cornerstone. You know, the keystone of anybody's recovery is people. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So, yeah. So I want to hop into those here and, and look, I appreciate what, just to rewind real quick. I appreciate what you're talking about. The stress on both sides of the equation, like good or bad, good and bad. Right. Um, I, I think that for a lot of people, they don't consider that the stress can come up. Um, you know, like for me, for instance, things got good really fast. 
and which can be a big problem sometimes for people in recovery. I mean, you know, if you just think about, you know, when you say uh, stress to me early in recovery, I think for most people, it's going to be some type of financial stress. And so Mm. if I'm not spending all my money on dope or alcohol all the time, and all of a sudden I have more money in my pocket, um, or I get a new job or something because I'm actually kind of holding my life together and I start having all this money come in, that can be, you know, a stressful thing. So I appreciate you mentioning that. And I also, I, I, I think what you're saying, which I can fully understand for myself since I was an opiate addict is that even if someone early in recovery is doing the things that they need to be doing. And I think we're going to be talking about some of those, which are just kind of generally accepted that are built into your 12 rules for recovery. Even if they're doing those things, they're going to be uh, physiological things that are still going on well after the drugs or alcohol are gone, that if we don't do anything about it, it's not necessarily 100% that someone will relapse. It's just making things more difficult, right? That's right. Um, and, and so that makes a lot of sense to me for sure. So let, let's hop in. And I, and I didn't want to cut you off there, but you were getting into the 12, 12 rules mm-hmm. for recovery. So I'm going to rattle these off real quick because we got 12. Right. And then I want to ask you about, about one in particular. Okay. So we got, Wait. yeah, n- number one, connect with the local fellowship, which you just touched on. We got wake up at the same time every morning, set aside 15 minutes of morning quiet time, eat breakfast establish a supplement regimen, exercise every day, be engaged in a good book, be selective what information you consume, stop making things worse before you make them better. I like that one. Clean your room, floss every night, keep going no matter what. Now, I I think we could agree that these are great rules for probably anyone, whether they're, they're in recovery or, or not you know i think even number one like connect with a local fellowship probably good for people uh just to connect with with others and and kind of have a group that they connect with the one that i really want to and i think overall you mentioned routine earlier and you and i have talked about routine before i think what we're really talking about overall with these is like the importance of having some kind of routine but i want to ask you about rule number five specifically, and and you were getting into it a little bit. This is your area of expertise and that's establishing a supplement regimen. What, because I really want our listeners to, to understand like, okay, we're talking about some, some cool concepts here about how this can help, you know, people in recovery. What would you say are some of the main supplements that people in recovery should really consider taking? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great question. I wish I could answer that question very quickly. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, that one, I, I mean, I would have to, that one, it would take me a while. Um, but I'm going to try to pick at it. And, and hopefully this is as helpful to anybody listening as possible. Sure. Um, the one thing that I, that I think sort of positions me a little bit different, uh, you know, maybe than you know, some other people, is that my background is in pharmaceuticals, pharmacy, and nutrition. That's, that is sort of, um, um, after, after getting sober, I went back and got certified as a dietary supplement advisor. Um, so I think that that's like a little bit unique that I have, uh, you know, clinical experience in both of those areas. Cause I think it's really, really important, uh, doing your own. So thing about supplements versus prescription pharmaceuticals, right. Is that they're not by prescription. So, mm-hmm. so they are available over the counter, which mm-hmm. means that you can log on to Amazon and anything that you hear anybody talking about at any time, you can buy it, right? Uh, I think just for the public consumer to be sort of establishing their own supplement regimen and, and doing that in a healthy and helpful way is hard. Yeah. I just think it's really hard. Sure. Um, and I also know a lot about, I know a lot about, uh, um, how, how the search engine optimization works for supplements versus pharmaceuticals and how, uh, like a lot of the pharmaceutical companies, unfortunately they're, you know, they have so much money and they're so powerful that they're able to really suppress a lot of good information. Oh yeah. Uh, and we know that anybody who's on Google, we just know this, there's you know, been all kinds of you know, studies. People don't just scan page after page after page. It's usually those first couple things that are popping up that are having the most impact. Um, 
So what is coming up is being controlled, <laughs> you know, sure. by somebody who's, who's not really, who doesn't have a financial incentive for supplements to look good. Right? Yeah. Right. Of well, course. and I think real quick, Jeff, I should probably just throw out a disclaimer. Like this is a, not a go cause look, you know, I I'm in fitness and nutrition. There's just a lot of BS about supplements out there. Uh, quick so disclaimer. This is not a go take these supplements. This is 100% right for you. I think what I'm asking is, is what are some suggestions that like people should c consider looking at, you know, maybe if they're early okay. in recovery or if they're a little lethargic or, um, so I, I think that's, uh, that needs to be said, right? Okay. Okay. You know, that, that aside, right. So, <laughs> um, I'm very, very big into the amino acids. All right. Um, now I think that, that, that there are some staples right off the bat. If you are, if you are recovering from an alcohol addiction, mm -hmm. uh, I think that everybody should be taking B vitamins, a vitamin C separately, a multi-mineral multivitamin uh, okay. supplement and a magnesium calcium supplement right off the bat. Yeah. I, I really don't need to see blood work. Um, I mean, as long as there are no major contraindications, you know, that would, that would, uh, um, contra contraindicate you from taking one of those specific products, get that stuff on board. Very, very helpful. Um, it helps. And omega-3, omega-3 fatty fish. Sure. Um, that is important for, uh, so many people can really, really benefit from omega-3, especially drug and alcohol addictions. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people tend to, uh, they're just not, they're not consuming that, you know, we know that, uh, you know, again, the, like the study is, 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 is sort of conclusive there. We know that as a group of people, you're not consuming enough regular fatty fish to, to, to kind of, you know, cause, because the, when we're looking at, at like the omega, um, fish oils, we're comparing omega three to omega six, uh, really omega three to omega six and nine and we're, and it's the ratio that's important. Mm -hmm. And especially mm -hmm. in our, you, you can call it the sad diet, right? The standard American diet right. uh, of just hot dogs and hamburgers and fries and whatever else you're doing. Uh, you are loading up with omega-6 and omega-9 and they're so inflammatory. And when you're trying to recover, you're trying to recover your entire physiology and your mind and your sharpness. And you, and you don't want to feel uh, tired and fatigued and sort of mentally clouded mm -hmm. that's where all mm -hmm. those products come in you know you want to get like the inflammation stuff on board omega-3s right off the bat okay so i uh, to answer your question just just sort of right across um right off the the bat it, without looking at at blood tests i would name a couple of those things um now i'm really big into the amino acids right yeah I don't know if uh, you and I talked about them before. I think, we, yeah, we did a little bit. Yeah, I think did uh, we get you into them? like L-tyrosine was one of them um, and, and a few others. Yeah. 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 So I was, I was mentioning before the three major nervous system networks that are dysregulated in people that are recovering. Right. Um, yeah. And then it, those, those neurotransmitters that are going to be off are GABA, serotonin, endorphins, and your catecholamines, okay, which are dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine. So taking those precursors to those neurotransmitters, they can at least work, like I said before, as a jump start to at least fill in the blanks for areas that you will certainly be uh, deficient in coming in. You know, the only question is to what degree are you deficient? You mentioned L-tyrosine. L-tyrosine is the immediate precursor to L-DOPA, okay, which gets converted to dopamine, um, also epinephrine and uh, norepinephrine. Um, if you're talking about amphetamine addictions, alcohol addictions, benzodiazepine addictions, opiate addictions, uh, there, there, there will be disruptions in those catecholamines, all right, mm. specifically dopamine. Okay. And that stuff takes, can take a while to really get going. And uh, one of the biggest complaints that people have in early recovery is lack of motivation, lack of energy, just trouble getting going. Everything is just feels harder, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just hard to empty the dishwasher, to fold the laundry, everything. It just it just kind of feels like a struggle. And I can relate to that. And uh, and if there's one product in my experience, now now I've I've read all the trials, so I know that this stuff has good science behind it, and sure. that's why I'm talking about it. But but um but you know right now from my clinical experience of working with people, man, that one seems to have such a, a, a 
great effect for just about everybody. Hmm. Um, now, if you have uncontrolled high blood pressure, uncontrolled hypertension, then I would say stay away from, from most of the amino acids, you know, cause they, they, you really don't want anything that is going down the path of, 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 you know, potentially, uh, you know, dealing with epinephrine or, or kind of some of those catecholamine products. So if it's unregulated, if you have regulated high blood pressure and it's being controlled with medications or with lifestyle changes, then, then this stuff is safe. Okay. Um, but for the most part, so, so that small group aside, uh, you know, tyrosine is a, is, is a good, it's a very safe product. And I, I usually, um, it's going to vary depending on, 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 on the person involved, but I usually recommend 500 milligrams, three times a day, for example, uh, maybe 8 AM, 12 PM and 3 PM. I usually say for, for, for tyrosine, like nothing after two to 3 PM, okay. uh, you know, it could, it could potentially disrupt sleep. Okay. Everybody doesn't have that. It's, it's, it's just like caffeine. Some people can, can drink caffeine at sure. six o'clock and sleep fine. Some people, if you have coffee after 12, you're not, but it's not a direct so stimulant, right? Like it's not a stimulant. No, okay. no, none of these, none. Of, so the idea with, with supplements in general, especially with addictions, you know, is that, is that we get very uh, obsessive and addicted to that immediate hit. Um, yeah. so you don't want to take anything a good, a good rule of thumb is you don't want to take anything where 30 minutes later you feel yeah, alive, yeah. you know, from yeah, right, right. Um, alive or, or, or even completely sedated. <laughs> sure. I mean, there's how many people get completely thrown off from, from these sleeping pills yeah, sleeping and pills. Yeah. That's you know, that one continues to come up and it's, uh, yeah, because everybody has sleeping problems when you're, when you're first getting sober. Mm -hmm. So, so it, you, know, you can say, well, I'm just going to rough, rough my way through it. After a couple of weeks, you know, you feel like I need to do something about this. And then people, you know, might go to these ambience and sonatas and, uh, yeah. and those products are actually activating GABA, the exact same receptor that alcohol is, is sort of touching on. So if you're trying to, if you're trying to recover the, uh, physiologically, okay, you're trying to recover from this alcohol addiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, putting putting a sedative hypnotic on board is is, is probably not your best option. Um, I will say, in terms of sleep, the combination yeah. of magnesium and glycine, hmm. okay, magnesium glycine. and uh, glycine, that is a great combo. Interesting. You know, that that one I've been talking about for a while. That's that's sort of like the the tyrosine, where where I like I can't think of a specific instance where somebody had any kind of suboptimal impact from it at all. I mean, I mean, this, you know, these are products that really, really work, work very well together. They work to smooth out the sleep cycle. Okay. So they're not putting you to sleep, right? You no, know, you're not going to take them. For example, I could take magnesium and glycine right now and just carry out the rest of my day. It's not okay. going to make me more sleepy. Uh, but when you take it at night, it, you know, it tends to smooth out that whole sleep cycle and, uh, um, and it can really get people sleeping regularly a lot faster than they otherwise would have. And that's, yeah. that's my point with the supplementation. Okay. Is that, is that when we're dealing with an area that is just wrought with these horrible relapse rates, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We don't have the luxury to be missing anything. So, uh, um, uh, so once in a while, like, you will hear somebody who, who, who talks about nutritional changes as sort of like a cure-all and like, it's the, you know, this is the root cause of addictions. I, 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 I stay steer clear of those people. Okay. This is, this is not that, um, addiction is unbelievably complicated. You know, I, I think if you're really serious about recovery, then you need to know about trauma. Um, you, you, you need to learn about trauma, how trauma is associated with addictions. You know, I think that that adverse childhood experiences that, you know, there's unbelievable studies done out of Kaiser Permanente several years ago. If you've never heard of them, look them up. Uh, great, great stuff. Just showing how, how these ACEs adverse childhood experiences impact the relative risk of you developing an addiction later on. You know, yeah, so anybody who's just telling you this, yeah. this is a you know, strictly genetic disorder. I mean, that, that is, that is not the case, mm, you know, yeah. um, and I used to say that like a little bit more tempered than I do now. Now I just say it just the way that I just did. I mean, this is, this is important stuff, you know, cause that's how we, that is how we're going to get this cultural epidemic under control. 
Um, so that's the whole idea with supplementation is that anything that's moving us that, you know, it's going to help us get through that like initial phase. Uh, it's going to increase the likelihood that we start stabilizing quickly. I think we have a better chance of getting people, you know, to that six month mark, nine month mark, year mark. And then maybe by that point they have formed the network around them. You know, maybe they're in a 12 step group. Maybe they have some other strong, uh, local fellowship of people yeah. and that they can, can just kind of, uh, keep treating this underlying disease one day at a time. Um, but, but you know, kind of one, the one place that I differ from the, the 12 step groups is just this idea that, um, you know, whether you have three days sober or 10 years sober, you know, it's all the same disease. It's just this, uh, underlying dis-ease that we need to treat. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree that there is that, uh, sure. but to, to act like that physiological component is not there is, uh, is, is just to miss a big piece. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. So you, you just gave two really good, I, I think you, you nailed it pretty well on, on what I really wanted you to share. So on the motivation side of things in terms of the supplements, and again, a supplement is exactly that, right? It is to supplement, like there are other things we should be doing. And, and you talked about it, uh, you know, you talk about it in your 12 rules for recovery, you know, exercising, getting up at the same time, you know, some type of routine, eating healthier, eating breakfast is one thing you suggest. So th- this is not a, the cure-all isn't in the supplements themselves. It's a, over time, these can be things that, that really help, right? So on the motivation side of things, you feel like the L-tyrosine is something that's really helpful. And that's, that's something that, that I actually take every morning as well. And then uh, on the sleep side of things, it's the, uh, the glycine and the, I'm sorry, the glycine and what was the other one? Magnesium, magnesium, magnesium glycinate, magnesium glycinate, because magnesium, you know, comes in about six or seven different forms. Okay. okay. And, and, and they do all different things. You know, some of them are, are treat constipation. So they're going to be more working as laxatives. You want right. to avoid those products. Okay. <laughs> These are, it is magnesium glycinate is the one that you want. Yeah, you, you don't want to be getting hate mail after this, man, with, uh, with with people loading up on laxatives trying to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with this guy? No, well, that's why I, you know, I try to throw in some of these caveats. It's tough because our because our time is limited, and I find myself when I'm talking about supplements, mm-hmm. I <laughs> you know, I start really talking fast, trying to get it all in, cram it in. Yeah, I feel like there's there's so much that I want to jam pack into into a, a short period of time. I do want to just kind of mention, you know, in terms of, of nutrition, very, very quickly, yeah, just, just my three basics. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think one area that I've been seeing people really, really struggling with is a lot of people that are getting sober either have histories of disordered eating mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. once they get sober uh, and they stay sober, their addiction sort of transfers to, to some of these either food addictions or even body addictions, right? Yeah. Where, you know, we become obsessed with our, our bodies and our physiques and Absolutely. Um, uh, it just makes sense. I mean, if you think about the neurochemistry of addiction, you stop your one drug of choice or behavior of choice. It doesn't mm-hmm. just you know disappear. It gets yeah. it, it moves. So, so I'm very big into nutrition for recovery is about gaining. Okay, it is not about losing. Um, over time, if you establish a a a good, healthy kind of parameter of of uh, of nutrition. A lot of those things will happen. Maybe weight loss will happen. You know, your body might start, you know, changing, but that is not the goal. Um, it is about adding on things. So I have, I have three sort of uh, kind of major outcomes that I focus on right off the bat. Number one is to limit and refine the processed sugars. That's number one. Um, I'm not saying cut them out. I'm not saying quit them completely. You know, uh, um, some of these concentrated processed sugars they're unbelievably addictive. They're very hard to give up. Uh, and, and, and that is not about long-term health. You know, that is about mood regulation right now. Mm. We know for a fact that people that are recovering from drug and alcohol addictions have, have dysregulated um, blood sugar metabolism across the board. I and mean, they've shown that it's been like 85 to, to 90% of people who come in have, uh, have, uh, um, have, have difficulty processing these large amounts of sugar. And some of that was um, um, may have kind of predated the addiction. Some of it was exacerbated by alcohol, for example, because alcohol sugars make that worse. Sure. But we know that we have trouble with that. 
we are predisposed to hypoglycemia, okay, which means that the blood sugar is dropping after eating all those sugars. And that leads to irritability and fatigue and anxiety and just all those symptoms that we know are going to be related to alcohol cravings, mm -hmm. even relapse if they don't get, uh, you know, kind of controlled. So that's number one. Okay. Um, um, I always say high protein, high fiber food with every meal and snack. That should be your focus. All right. So I'm not telling anybody what to do with your carbs, sugar, protein right. combination. I'm yeah. not saying that, but I'm saying focus on focus the proteins on the protein. and the fiber. Yeah. Because what that does is it will keep you feeling full longer so that a couple hours later, you're not craving those sugars and then you know, fall into that trap that we all get into where it's three o'clock and, and you're you know, binging on sweets. And then that kind of creates this whole cycle, cycle. throughout your yeah. day. And now it disrupts your sleep. You know, I wear one of these watches now and I'll do experiments all the time, you, you know, where um, once in a while for, you know, for whatever reason, I will eat that stuff late at night. And every time my overnight resting heart rate is about five or six beats per minute higher than mm. it typically is. Interesting. Uh, and that's because the heart rate just stays up for longer. And then it, you know, kind of slowly comes down over time. Uh, so that is where, you know, you know, where it's a popular thing to say that, um, that like, when we eat doesn't matter. It's just, it's just what we eat. You know, it's like, it all doesn't, well, that is where, when we eat actually does matter. Um, it, it matters because if you're keeping your heart rate and, and, and all those stress hormones up overnight for longer periods of time, then your, your body is not slipping into that really deep restful sleep. Mm. And if that continues over long periods of time, then that those disrupted sleep patterns will affect your mood. And of course we know that your mood eventually will affect your ability to stay sober. Yeah. You're so all that stuff is connected. Okay. It matters. Um, yeah. So watch, if you're talking so number, about weight. Yeah. And, and sorry. Ahead. So number one was watch the highly processed sugar or processed sugar. Number two was focus on protein and fiber and then with every meal and snack yeah with every meal okay every meal and snack okay and then three is going to be eat something every several hours to avoid mm -hmm. the blood sugar drop okay um that has been from what i've seen uh, especially in early recovery again if you've been stabilized and then you want to do you know the different types of fasting you know things that are out now or different you know you do what you have to do um, I'm talking about in those opening months, mm -hmm. that first year, especially, you know, I have not seen any cases in my experience where, where that tends to do well. Yeah. It seems that it all has to be about stability and it has to be about mood control. And that is the focus of, of your nutrition. Man, I, I really like those three points. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, we, we started out, you mentioned just some of the sayings in recovery and the eating every few hours, the as much as I laughed at the halt, the hungry, angry, lonely, tired, man, I think, again, I think that's something that, it, that applies to like just about anyone, whether they're in recovery or not. But I certainly saw that early on. Like if I didn't eat, like I was getting a little hangry for sure, mm -hmm. you know, and, and didn't, didn't just didn't feel that great. So I really appreciate all, all the work you're doing, man, uh, because I think this is, I'm hoping that it's it's something that people are looking at more and more. I do see uh, more treatment facilities focusing in on nutrition and things like that, which is you know so important. Um, and, and I'm with you. I think that sometimes within recovery programs, twelve step or, or otherwise, it's just it's a missing uh, it's a missing piece that I think is maybe a little bit uh, ignored sometimes and. I think it's important because in my mind, it's as simple as this. If I have zero energy, I'm completely unmotivated to do everyday things. Um, I, I just don't feel good overall. How is that going to have a positive impact on my recovery? How is that going to, you know, impact the likelihood that I stay sober? You know, it's, it's probably not going to have a positive impact. Uh, effect. So I, I really appreciate everything you've shared on the uh, the supplements about reaction recovery, um, definitely about the nutrition, because I think that's so important. Before we wrap up, Jeff, I'd like to ask if there's maybe one piece of advice 
in particular that you'd like to share with the sober nation? Yeah, um, you know, I would say that the most important, the most important thing, if you're considering a life free from the bondage of drugs and alcohol, if 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 you consider yourself somebody who's looking into the recovery world, um, you have to connect with other people. You have to connect with good people. You know, we kind of one of the rules that you touched on was about carefully selecting. Uh, the information that you consume. What I mean by that is who are the people that you're around? What are the, who are the voices that are constantly populating, you know, you know, your mind? I mean, this is the stuff, these are the people that will have the most impact on you moving forward. Um, connect yourself with a group. You know, there are more and more online and, and kind of virtual things that are available now versus before. Uh, um, I still do it in person. Yeah, I, I think that there's nothing that can substitute for that sort of face-to-face -face being there with people, uh, but you have to connect with, you know, with a group of people. Um, you're, you're dealing with something that, that, that is just working kind of below those, 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 um, those conscious controls of your brain, you know, so it's reading books is great. Talking about it is great thinking about it. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's a, it's a game of action and it is actually taking those actions that, that will, uh, you know, ultimately keep you sober. That, that's awesome, man. I love that. Watch you hang around, stick with the winners and get into action. I, I couldn't put any better than that. So oh, you can cool. learn more about Jeff and Reaction Recovery at reactionrecovery.com. Thanks again for coming on the show, Jeff. Thanks a lot, John. Great time. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.